episode 236 of the Pilot the Pilot podcast takes off now. Fly with Garmin Avionics, then grab your mobile device and make the Garmin Pilot app your cockpit companion. Get advanced functions you'll use before, during, and after every flight, including updating your aircraft's databases and logging engine data, plan, file, fly, log with Garmin Pilot. The Pilot the Pilot podcast is brought to you by The Finer Points. You can get a free three-day trial of the Ground School app by visiting learnthefinerpoints.com. The TSO certified Bose ProFlight Series 2 aviation headset pairs Bose noise cancellation with optimum comfort. It's engineered to be the lightest, most compact aviation headset for an uncompromised flying experience. Start your 60-day test flight and finance with Bose Pay at bose.com slash proflight. As pilots, we know that flying is among life's greatest experiences. Learning to fly can be a challenge, but now there's an innovation in pilot training that increases efficiency, streamlines the training process, and improves student retention. The AOPA Flight Training Advantage uses an iPad app and web portals to create an adaptive, dynamic training experience that's unique to each student. Designed to address the most common reasons students drop out of flight training, the AOPA Flight Training Advantage system is used by flight schools, CFIs, and students to make training more effective, efficient, and fun. Learn how you can get the AOPA Flight Training Advantage at aopa.com slash AFTA. That's A-F-T-A. Aviation, what is going on? And welcome back to the Pilot Pilot Podcast. My name is Justin Seams, and I am your host. Today's episode is not your normal long interview where I'm going to be sitting down with someone talking to them about how they became a pilot or where they are today. It is kind of a day in the life, but more of a training day in the life. So I'm currently in my training. Tomorrow is actually my check ride. So the day before this episode comes out is I'll be in the middle of this check ride trying to get through this and trying to pass. <laughs> Fingers crossed. No, it should be good. But it is, uh, it's really interesting how we train as a company because one, we are a 91, 135-91K operator and we operate under way different rules than what an airline operates under. But we train under the same rules in the same way that the airline trains. Now, that's not normal for a 135 operator. Most 135 operators operate under 135. But us being the biggest uh, fractional in the world, we are the ones that try to train just like airlines. We try to train as close to an airline as possible, want to be under the strictest and have the best trained pilots that we can possibly have. So we have decided and have been approved by the FAA to become an AQP qualified. Now, what does AQP mean? Good question. I had to look it up. Advanced Qualification Program. Now you might be thinking, cool, that's an acronym. That's three words. But what actually does Advanced Qualification Program or AQP? AQP actually mean? Good question. Again, I Googled it for you so you didn't have to. AQP, Advanced Qualification Program, is a training system that's developed using systematic training program methodology. AQP is voluntary, this is a keyword and keywords, data driven alternative means of compliance to the traditional regulatory requirements under CFR parts 121 and 135 for training and checking. Under the AQP performance based regulatory framework, it's very for traditional perspective requirements under 121 subparts N and O, which is traditional training, subject to justification of an equivalent or better level of safety. As part of the systematic development process, AQP requires a front-end analysis of both training and operational data to establish proficiency objective requirements for all aspects of training. Unlike traditional aviation training, AQP provides a multitude of training and safety benefits, including data-driven improvement and program flexibility, 
integration of CRM, crew evaluation, planned hours, training to proficiency, and scenario-based training and evaluation. So what I get out of that is data-driven. So this is using actual data that's happening on the line with our 28, 29, 3,000, 10,000 pilots that, uh, well, we have closer to 3,000, but say you go to the airlines and all those flights, it's taking all that data. If you didn't know that, there's a system called Foquas. This is different in a way than the black box, but it essentially does the same thing. It records everything that goes on. There are parameters that have been set by uh, engineers, by people in the company, union, whatever maybe whoever's designing these and whoever is doing this, so it might not be the union, but these are designed and they are created to see what's happening on the line, to see, hey, we had a flap exceedance. We were too fast using flaps. We're too fast using gear. We landed 2,000 feet down the runway. We needed to land within 1,900 feet. We landed halfway down the runway. We had a runway excursion. Well, okay, you had a runway excursion. Let's see what led up to that. The airplane is constantly, I mean, when I say constantly, every millisecond it is recording everything and checking against the database and seeing if it did it right or wrong or what it is. So you can check literally everything. You can see where you were or what altitude. Uh, and, and it's really good. It's good for one, the company. It's good for the union. It's good for everything because we get to see what's really going out on the line. We get to see how it's affecting everyone, where we're making mistakes, because let's be serious. We're all pilots and we operate lots of aircraft in challenging situations and challenging airports. And there's going to be issues that come arise. So it's always good to learn from a successful flight that might have had one instance that they could have done better. And if you see a trend of that, that enables the company and union to come together and create a training program to try to keep that trend from happening. We all have the same goal, operate safe flights successfully over and over and over again, and never have to make the phone call to those families and say that this has happened. So we're training. Uh, we, as a company, we used to do 135 training. 135 training for us might look different for someone else. I'm not too sure, but I'm guessing it's pretty similar. We came in every six months and every other six months. So once a year, there's an actual training event, one where it was an actual check ride. You did the same check ride every single year for as long as you're a pilot and as long as you do 135. You can memorize it. You knew exactly what was coming. You had uh, three chances, I believe, to mess up. This is if you were actually type rated already. I believe it was a proficiency check or a PC. I can't remember what it was actually called. But you had the ability to be retrained on two things and if you messed up a third time, that's it. Finito, you failed. Um, <clears throat> now we moved on to AQP for all the reasons I listed for just using the data driven, making it safe and increasing the training and making it more realistic for what you're going to go see. Now, what we do, we have a seven day block. I'm on the seven and seven. So there's a seven day block on day one. It's a travel day. We are traveling to where the training happens. That's at our company base. So day one is just travel, just an airline or a rental car, however close you live. For me, it's an airline. That airline takes me here. I go to the hotel. I'm done for the day. It's about a four-hour day. Oh, it was a four-hour day. I live in Chicago, but now I live in Raleigh, so I got to take two flights, so it's a much longer day. But I'm not complaining. Just saying. <laughs> I miss Chicago sometimes. But we are now here day one. Day two is a full company day, 8 a.m., 5 p.m., all company stuff. It's required by the FAA. We have to learn some stuff about the company, company rules, go over certain stuff they have to say. We do um, door drills. We do life raft stuff. We do everything safety-wise that we need to do and have accomplished by the company that we can't do over our simulators and flight sim. We also have the opportunity to talk with our company. Uh, they have executive leadership team come in and we talk to them, ask them all the questions, ask them why they're doing this. They get to, to give us answers and rah-rah and tell them how great the company is and how many pilots are going to hire and how it's going to be the greatest thing since sliced bread, just like every other company thinks that they are. 
but it's fun. It's good. I enjoy it. I think it's a good time. And I actually enjoy being in the headquarters because it's kind of cool to see the behind the scenes that we don't get to see on the road and kind of see the bigger picture almost. Let's take a break from today's episode to hear from our sponsor, RAA. Here's something I learned the other day talking with my partners at RAA. It's estimated that a retired couple will need as much as $315,000 saved for healthcare costs alone. Now that's a lot to consider. The good news is a health savings account or an HSA can be a great way to prepare for the sky-high medical expenses down the line and more. It kind of works like an IRA, but in some ways even better. That's because HSAs offer the benefit of triple tax advantage, meaning the money you contribute to your account goes in, grows, and withdraws tax-free when used for qualified medical expenses in retirement. Look, if we're being honest, pilots don't love the idea of retirement, or even the word for that matter, but if there's more we can do to plan ahead, well, that's worth considering too. And for my money, an HSA checks off all the right boxes as a smart addition to my retirement savings plan. How does it fit in yours? Find out all you need to know at raa.com slash pilot to pilot. That's pilot to pilot. And now back to today's episode. Day three is going to be a full-on flight safety day. Now, do you not... Now, flight safety, for those people that don't know, that's where we do all our simulator training. It's a very, very massive uh, organization that handles a lot of training. So it's not just for my company. They also do 91, 135 training as well. So if you buy a a PC-12, buy a caravan, you buy a Cessna, you buy a 650 or whatever it may be, a global, you can actually go do all your training of flight safety. Now, there's some other companies that do it like CAE, Simcom maybe, I believe, or maybe I'm making that one up. I don't know. Sounds familiar. But you can go do your training at those companies, and that's exactly what we do. We just do all of it at Flight Safety. We have one that's pretty much right on the field, and they do all of our training. They also do some other training too, but they mainly focus on our company, which is great because we have different kind of limitations, and we can we have the, the books and AOM, FOM to be able to make our limitations slightly different than what you have to do if you are purely 91 without an AOM. <clears throat> so day two is just a flight safety day. It's also eight to five. We go over anything and everything of our airplane limitations, uh, systems. We do anything and everything, like I said. So that's going to be a long day as well. Day three is going to be our first day where we actually go to the simulator. For me, my sim slot is the 2 p.m. to 9 p.m. So show up at 2 p.m. We have two hours of pre-sim. So that's going to be a pre-brief essentially where we just go over what we're going to do. We talk about systems, ask some questions, kind of get familiar with what's going to go on. And then we actually go to the sim. And that sim is going to be slid up on two two-hour blocks. The first two hours, usually the left pilot goes. The last two hours, the right pilot goes. And the next day you switch and then so on. And you kind of do that. Um, you don't have to switch. Uh, there's certain days where you have to do stuff first. You have to do stuff second. But they let you know if we're allowed to switch or how the order is going to go. Uh, we do the sim, and then we have a, a, a post-brief, which is about an hour. That brings us to 9 o'clock, and then we go home. The first day is maneuvers validation. It is a graded day. Uh, you are pretty much thrown to the wolves. Our company and any company that is AQP comes up with um, first-to-look events. They want to know how you were to react if this were to happen to you on the road today or yesterday. So they're not looking for you to practice it beforehand. They want to know truly what you're going to do when you're thrown in the situation. And like we said earlier, this is data-driven. So this is situations that happen, are happening, or will happen or could happen in the future. So they are really interested and want to know what that might look like. So we do those. Um, You have two hours, like I said, to finish everything. Now, Let's say you go do something, you mess it up, and you need to be retrained. That's not a failure. You have a full two hours to complete your whole scheduled sim. 
So if you're not able to complete that, then that is actually going to be what would be considered a failure. But if you need to be retrained on certain things over a couple times, once or whatever it is, just as long as you're able to complete everything, then you are able to move on to the next day and uh, you're able to, to pass that. So you also usually have some time left over. If you finish in time, you get to go do some more fun in the simulator. And then when I mean fun, uh, fun is definitely a relative term when you go to training. It's more of a, hey, how do you want us to make you look like you have no idea what you're doing today? <laughs> and you smile and you say, yes, sir. Or, yes, ma'am. Let's do it again. <laughs> so uh, it's good learning. It's really good. It's just um, the training scenarios can be kind of interesting sometimes and really makes you think and it can be tiring. Uh, day four now, we're moving on to so second day of Sims. This for us is the EET training. So that's extended envelope training. It's pretty much all stalls. We are doing high altitude stalls, low altitude stalls. We do slow flight. We do some, just put the plane in interesting scenarios to see how the plane reacts. The sim is very, very realistic, has been programmed to react the exact same way the airplane would react. Uh, unusual attitudes as well. And it's just put to do, put you through the paces and really make you think like, and see, just really see how the airplane stalls at 45,000 feet or 41,000 feet and what's going to happen and how much longer it takes for you to recover at a higher altitude than a lower altitude. Uh, we also do some scenario-based training as well that the company has come up with. Uh, one of them actually today was uh, kind of, uh, was taken from the Air France one. And I don't know if this is what the company wanted to do, not Air France. It was, so today we actually did one cool thing where we had some extra time and we got to see kind of a similar situation to that challenger over dubai that did a flip and had the engines flame out we didn't have the engines flame out but just seeing what would do if you hit wake turbulence so bad that caused your airplane to go inverted and how you would react uh, it was really interesting had no idea it was going to come it was complete surprise catches you off guard and it's just it's another thing that's interesting to see like all right what would you do if you found yourself upside down <laughs> i mean obviously you think it's very intuitive for you to just write yourself and, and figure that out uh, <clears throat> and immediately re recover. But it, there's definitely uh, a time where you're like, wait, what is happening? You just can't really, you just can't really fathom that you're upside down, which is very interesting. Uh, but it was a great training. Uh, from there, we move on to RMP AR approaches. Uh, just make sure that we're up to date on those. Uh, our speeds require us to fly certain speeds. Uh, category B aircraft, so we're flying very slow and compared to our 121 uh, friends. So they're not going to enjoy that when we get that turned on for the latitude. But uh, we're flying pretty slow. And uh, when we go to midway and we slow everyone down when we're going 120 knots by the final approach fix, they might not like that too much. Or 150 knots by the first RF leg might not be enjoyable for midway approach and controllers. So We'll see what happens when that comes out, but uh, that's what we train for. Uh, the next day, we are moving on to day six. Day six is a full-on testing day. We have an oral. We have another knowledge validation, uh, which is more company-based stuff with the AOM, FOM. And then we move on to our two two-hour sim blocks where we are doing an actual flight on the line. So we get a release. We show up. We get a dark cockpit. We start it up. We treat it just like a normal day, and they want to see how we react to whatever system's failure or whatever we may get. There's a, uh, an Excel spreadsheet essentially where they type in our names and then they hit enter and then it randomizes a number. They put that number, then they pick up the, the number 13 packet. And that comes in with our, our one um, actual failure for the day and uh, one failure event. And then we move on from there. So I will have to keep you updated with how that goes. But it's usually uh, one event that happens and you have to figure out how to do it. Anything that you, it could be up for grabs is anything that they want 
in any of those systems. So it could be uh, a pretty major failure. It could be uh, a pretty benign failure, but it's up to you to figure it out and make sure you don't go down the rabbit, the wrong rabbit hole and make anything worse. The number one objective is to land the plane. Don't break any limitations and make sure you do everything safely. And if you do that, you usually walk away. Okay. Uh, training, like I said, is definitely, uh, it can be stressful. You just got to slow down. That's one thing they always preach. Uh, you don't have to rush, you know, uh, if you're going around just say it's nice and slow and that might seem very easy, but go arounds aren't something you do all the time. Go arounds, uh, can actually your call outs and your actions. Um, uh, sometimes it's good just to take a little step back and just do it very, very slowly. That will help you, um, now and I hope you in the long run as well. But aviation, that's it. Oh, I guess I should say day seven is just an airline home. So can't wait to go home and see my baby Emmett and see hang out with Christina uh, and go hang out at home for six days before I go on the line and have a new, fresh one year before I have to go back and do it again. <laughs> now for captains, this is not all the training. They actually have to require a line check before every single year before they are allowed to operate as a captain or PIC. They still get paid if they don't get the line check in, but they are not able to take liability and be actively named PIC for that flight. So they have that as well. SICs do not have to do, are not required to have a PIC check, obviously, because they're SICs. But when there is a PIC check, they are actually under, it's a graded event for them as well, and they can fail as well. That's another part of AQP. If you're doing 135 or 91K and you have a line check, uh, for what we used to do, it was just a captain that was being checked. So the, it was not an at-risk event for the FO. But that's it. That is all of our training summed up in 15 minutes. So if you enjoyed this episode, let me know. I can go more into training if you want. I highly doubt anyone wants a higher in-depth training episode, but if that's what you want, let me know. Aviation, that's a wrap. I hope everyone's having a great day. And as always, happy flying.